Hey there, everybody. Welcome to Up All Night, an Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast. My name is Cortland, and with me today is the guy that always delivers pizzas to the wrong house, Brandon. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, Cortland. How are you? I'm doing okay. <laughs> I think if I delivered pizzas to the wrong house all the time, I'd get fired very quickly. Yeah, you would. You know, Domino's, I don't know if they have it in the, in uh, Australia, but in the States, they have this, like, pizza insurance bullshit where if like you know you deliver the pizza and and the cheese is like slid off or something they can be like uh i want a new fucking pizza and then they're like gotta do it (laughs) which should i mean it should kind of be like the norm anyway but they yeah i mean they shouldn't fuck up your food but that sounds (laughs) sounds easy to exploit yeah you could just be like hey i ordered fucking onion on here and there's no onion new pizza and they'll be like but sir you ate three quarters of it and i said new pizza (laughs) and then i get a free pizza yeah all you can eat i think it was domino's actually they had this app where you could um take a picture of a pizza and you got points to get a free pizza but people were putting like a circle on Microsoft Paint and coloring it in and taking a picture of it and the app didn't know the difference so it thought that was a real pizza that is yeah. fantastic. The Domino's here takes a picture of your pizza as they're cooking it. So you order online and it's like, here's your pizzas. How does it look? Really? Yeah. I feel like they would all look about pizza-like. Yeah, they look like pizzas. <laughs> I mean, what? <laughs> it's not like you put in like, oh, I'll order the, you know, fun looking crust where they shape it and do it like a dinosaur or something. That'd be no. awesome. It's like Ooh. a circle with cheese. We should make a make a whenever you finally come back to your senses and come back to the United States, we should form a restaurant where we shape the dough of pizza into fun things and then we charge people a whole lot of money for it. That sounds amazing to yeah. make and look at, but yeah. cutting it into slices to eat That's not our problem. <laughs> <laughs> Just a birthday party where one kid's got the head of the dinosaur and one kid's got a tiny <laughs> little claw. So he's got a stubby arm. (laughs) There you go, kids. Mom's like, I'm not paying for this. And I'm like, well, we don't have pizza insurance. (laughs) You should have got insurance. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. (laughs) I think that's a great restaurant idea. Let's do it eventually. (laughs) And, you know, like, whenever you come back. If you ever come back. Oh man! So did you? How was your week, man? Did you do anything fun? Don't ask me that. Of course I didn't. I know. <laughs> Don't ask me either because I, I was at work last uh, night thinking about it. I was I'm, like, oh my god, I'm gonna ask you. <laughs> I know. Did, like, what oh my did god. you do this week, did I Cortland? Do I, all I did was work. <laughs> I didn't do anything. All right. What did I do? I did the dishes. <laughs> how did that go? Oh, it was all right. Um, I had taken a shower before I did them, so my hot water was kind of low, which was, ugh, you know, but. (laughs) (laughs) Don't I know it. Uh Uh-huh. This is premium (laughs) stuff. Um, it's, uh, it snowed, so there's like a layer of snow on the ground at the moment. Ooh, fun. Yeah, I bet you're missing that shit, huh? (laughs) Fuck yeah. It's like 95 degrees here already. Ugh. It's not 95 here. Must be nice. It's alright. I'm over it already. <laughs> I just started. 
Got to put the old scraperoo in the in the car so that I can scrape it when I get out of work. I got to keep the old sweat mop in my pocket to mop up all the sweat from my face. Ugh. <laughs> oh man. Uh, but yeah, other than that, uh, a new Smash character came out on DLC, so I'm excited to play that with my Who's son. Who's that? His name is Terry Bogard from oh, okay. Fatal Fury? Yeah, some SNK Maybe. business. Yeah, and the cool part is, though, is that they put in 50 songs from Neo Geo games. So that's pretty cool. I thought, I thought you were going to say 50 Cent. No, no. Like Bulletproof, remember that game? Yeah. <laughs> didn't you own it? You owned a 50 cent game, didn't you? Uh, it might have been Blood on the Sand. Uh, I think it was like for PS2. I don't know. Dead 2 Rights, I think is the one you owned. That's not a 50 cent game. Well, okay. <laughs> Are you sure? I mean, it cost 50 cents to buy, but that's an entirely different <laughs> That must thing. have been what it was. <laughs> it cost 50 cents to make. <laughs> There was a dog in that game. He was cool. Oh, shit. I was thinking of the wrong game. It wasn't Dead 2 Rights. It was some fighting game. It doesn't matter. You probably bundled that up and sold it for your uh, PSP, so no big deal. Yep. Oh, my God. So, yeah. I did nothing. You did nothing. We're boring people. We talked about pizza. <laughs> same old, same old. Same old, same old. <laughs> you want to get into the episode? Yes. Okay. So Brandon and I just got done watching the tale of the doll maker. I like this episode a lot. I thought this episode was okay. Is this episode a fan favorite? Yeah. Even without knowing anything about this episode, I just had a feeling that it was like a popular episode. There was something about it. Yeah. It had a laughing in the dark quality. It uh it's one of the ones that a lot of people seem to remember. And I can see why. I like can it. Can you? I do. Yeah. I I think it's I think it's kind of scary, in in a, in a way, like the premise of it. There, I like that. There's no true like villain of the episode. Yeah. It's just like circumstances. I think the main character is intelligent, sort of. Mm, in some she ways, makes, she makes some good decisions, and then she's also a little stupid. But that's okay. Because she's only like eight, yeah, and uh, I don't know. I like I like the elaborate, gigantic houses that it shows us. I think that's cool. Yeah, just sprawling Resident Evil style mansions. So big, I don't understand it. I think I I I always enjoyed this episode growing yeah. up, and today I think it's I think it's cool. I like it. There's quite a lot of things I like about this episode. There's not one thing that really stands out as being amazing about this episode mm -hmm. but the premise is really cool there's yeah. quite a few cool interesting shots yeah um, I mean there's some stuff that doesn't really make sense to me but we'll talk about those we will yeah let's do it let's get into this shit alright okay so the episode begins, Sam, Frank, and Kiki are sitting around the campfire with Betty Ann walking up to the throne. She's like, hey guys, and they all say hey back, and out of the woods runs Tucker, who is just in full sprint, running as fast as he can, <laughs> and he, he gets caught by Sam because he's about to fall straight into the fucking fire. <laughs> 
He is ready to dive into that fire. <laughs> He's not going to stop at all. He's just running. No. Just running as fast as he can into those flames. <laughs> if Sam didn't catch him, he would have plopped right into that fucking fire. Yeah. And maybe she should have let him. <laughs> well, I'm going to say, luckily, Sam did catch him. And she's like, hey, what's the rush, Slick? And Tucker's excited because Betty Ann is up tonight. I think this is the second yeah, week in a row you called it. That's pretty exciting. It is. This is the first Betty Ann episode we have this season. And you know what? I really like this intro because it's continuity still. Where Tucker hasn't heard a Betty Ann story, but he's heard that Betty Ann stories are weird. So he's excited about it. And I, I just like that. I think it's cool. I think it's weird that people keep calling Betty Ann stories weird. That's a good point. Her stories aren't any more weird than anyone else's stories. Yeah. Yeah. Nightly Neighbors is not weird. Laughing in the Dark was not that weird. 13th Floor was, and Whispering Walls 13th was 13th Floor of. was fucking bonkers, but, like, <laughs> they're almost all weird in some way. Yeah, I mean, that's the point of the, the Midnight Society. Yeah, we're not just telling boring fucking stories except Kristen, but she's gone. Poor Kristen, and David, and Eric. Rest in peace. Yeah, right. So after Tucker tells us that he's excited because it's Betty Ann's turn, we look at Betty Ann for just a moment, and she just kind of cringes, I think, (laughs) in her little throne. Kiki shakes her head like she's disappointed, and then Gary shows up behind Tucker with this weird white double-pocket button-up shirt, and, and he says he told Tucker that Betty Ann tells really weird stories, and he's been looking forward to it ever since. We look over at Sam, who says, ooh, pressure's on, this better be good. And Betty Ann's like, I'll see what I can do. And all the kids take their seats. And Betty Ann reaches into her bag and pulls out like a porcelain doll that uh, kind of looks like her. I mean, not clothes wise, but the hair kind of looks like Betty Ann's. And we look over at Tucker, who says, a doll? You're telling a doll story? Weak. Siesta time, Motherfucker, man. you just told a phone story last <laughs> week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he did. Uh, not so great phone story either no he scooches down to the ground and he's leaning his back on the tree stump and he says wake me up if it gets good and he flips his hat around so the bill covers his eyes and he pretends to go to sleep could you imagine if he actually went to sleep (sighs) it'd be a super disrespectful but it is midnight and he's only like 10 (laughs) yeah and betty ann's just like and then (sighs) And then... (laughs) It'd be a Hungry Hound situation all over again. But the dogs are just like... (laughs) And Chris is like... And then she walked slowly! (laughs) So we switch over to Gary. And he says, come on, Tuck. But Betty Ann's like, it's okay. Let him sleep. And Gary sighs and shakes his head. And then we get Betty Ann's story teaser. She says, most people think dolls are just toys. But they're really like perfect little people. Sometimes they're so lifelike that it's almost as if the doll maker took a person and shrunk them down to doll size. But that's not how dolls are really made. Or is it? The camera looks at Tucker, who lifts his hat and looks kind of interested. And then we look at Betty Ann again, who is setting her doll down on the ground next to her. She grabs a pouch of monkey bone dust and she says, Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call the story The Tale of the Doll Maker. 
The episode begins with some jazzy 90s music as we're looking at this gigantic... Killer piano. So good, right? Looking at this gigantic three-story house. And that thing is gorgeous. Beautiful. Then we switch to a road. A truck is rolling down. And we get Betty Ann's voiceover saying that ever since she could remember, Melissa spent weekends now and then at her aunt and uncle's house in the country. And we see the truck make its way to the house we saw earlier. And Betty Ann continues saying, The first few visits of it were pretty much a total drag but then the hendersons moved in next door and even though they only saw each other a few times a year melissa and susan henderson quickly became best friends so many stories start with kids getting dumped off at their aunt and uncles yeah i don't know what to say about that man i don't know maybe like dj mikhail was dumped off (laughs) all the time (laughs) (laughs) we can ask him about that i suppose maybe it just makes it so like more scary because the kids aren't you know aren't um, somewhere familiar or as familiar yeah and they're not like protected by their own parents but even the parents that show up in these shows these episodes they're almost universally useless as it is so yeah i don't know so here we see the aunt the uncle and melissa hop out of the truck and melissa asks where susan is as she thought she would be waiting for her and they continue walking towards the house in a nice overhead shot, looking at the trees with these like beautiful fall color leaves. And she asks her aunt and uncle if they told Susan that she'd be coming. And then they break the bad news, saying that the Hendersons moved back to town earlier this spring. Melissa turns around and asks why, because they love this place. And the aunt fumbles for a second, and then the uncle's like, well, we don't exactly know why, hon. And then they usher her into the house because she's just gotta get settled in and she's probably famished melissa takes a glance at the old henderson house which is equally as three-storied and lovely before running to catch her aunt and uncle let's describe these characters there's only four characters in this episode which is kind of nice um you got melissa you got the aunt and uncle and then you have another character later melissa looks like she's probably like eight or nine i think she's not very old she's one of the youngest protagonists we've seen yeah yeah i agree um, she's got like less than shoulder length wavy hair and she wears a backwards baseball cat. I looked her up. Actually, I looked up all of these actors and they've all been in things, kind of. Melissa's played by Maya Filler, who is the voice of Phoebe from the Magic School Bus. Really? Yeah. So you'll probably remember that from um, sixth grade science class. Miss <laughs> Smith jamming the fucking Magic School Bus theme from Will Ritchie. Mm, that was the jam. Yeah, we always watch Magic School Bus in sixth grade. This is like circa, what, 19, no, 2000, 2001. Sometimes it was Bill Nye the Science Guy. It was, yeah. Yeah, so for your listeners at home, or on the road, or wherever the fuck you listen to this shit, that's where Brandon and I met, was sixth grade, back in 2000. What a time. So long ago. So full of dreams. I know, 19 fucking years ago, man. And look at the exciting lives we're leaving. You wash dishes. <laughs> I, uh... Hey, we made chili the same week that one time. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I know. Sometimes I'm at work and I'm just thinking about that one time when I was like, and I woke up from a cold sweat saying, chili. And I'm just like, I'm funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So the other two characters, like I said, they've also been in things. Um, the aunt has been in like Mean Girls, I think, and some other shit. 
The uncle is a Canadian comedian. Hmm. Yeah. I didn't write down their names because I don't know. I just didn't. And then the last character, uh, she's been in some stuff too. The aunt, I said, kind of reminds me of Catherine O'Hare from Beetlejuice a little bit in the way she looks. I can kind of see that. It was like a stretch for me. Like she's got kind of the same hair color, but it's much shorter. I don't know. Yeah. That's all I got. Doesn't really give off the same vibe. No, I love Catherine O'Hare, so. What did you think of the acting in this episode? Uh, man, I don't know. I, I loved some of it. I think that the aunt and uncle do an okay job. Melissa yeah, is a little bad. bit hit or miss. I don't like her performance at all. <laughs> Any of it. No, none of it? None of it. I can see that. Yeah, she's the weakest. The later character who, I mean, it's Susan later. She's all right. She doesn't do much, um, but that's no, kind of she, she's what not I like given about much it. to work with, but she doesn't drop the ball. Yeah. So the uncle, he looks like a little bit of a chubbier Billy Mays to me. Like he wants to sell me something. I was thinking Al Borland from Home Improvement. Oh, that's all that's also he looks like Billy Mays to me too. So it's <laughs> like this is like the triangle of Billy Mays and Al Borland. <laughs> Yeah, I assume that this guy was about to tell me some OxyClean. So we get some more 90s music as we move into the aunt and uncle's house. It's Aunt Sally and Uncle Pete. And Uncle Pete's putting on his coat, and Melissa's on the phone with her mom, and she's like, No, Mom, the trip was fine, but the Hendersons have moved. And then she falls onto the couch saying, Susan Henderson, remember, we hung out all the time. Now I've got nothing to do all weekend. Aunt Sally and Uncle Pete don't even have cable. And she's like, Okay. Okay, I love you. Yep. Bye. 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 <laughs> and Melissa takes just a moment to herself, and then Aunt Sally rounds the corner, and she's telling her to hurry up because they don't want to be late for bingo, which is literally the most boring thing that you could put a child through. And Melissa says, bingo! And she claps her hands together before getting up and walking away. Was that a sarcastic bingo? I couldn't tell. <laughs> Ye- yeah. <laughs> I would hope so. Like, bingo is legitimately the most boring thing that you could send a child to do in the 90s. I went to bingo for the first and only time, like, two years ago, and I had a good time. Really? Well, that's because you were 28 years old. (laughs) You were probably dotting that shit like, oh, yeah, just say 056 and I got it. Yeah, I was high-fiving all the old ladies. It was the bomb. You were sitting there as all these old ladies were spending their, well, I don't know how Australia works, but using all their social security money, like, yeah, bingo. They got like six cards in front of them, like dot and shit. Yeah. Hooting and hollering and raising the roof. It was a wild time. You got your little visor on and your little fanny pack with your quarters in it. (laughs) Your bingo dotters, your chips. You were good to go. The whole shebang. I would have loved to see all of that. That would be incredible. We would switch scenes. We're back outside, and Melissa is sitting on a tire swing. Uh, we can't see the tire yet, so I thought it was just a rope swing. I was wrong. Uncle Pete, a.k.a. Billy Mays, he walks up, and he's got some, some fucking Mighty Putty to test out. So he's like, hey, Melissa, 
I got some work to do on the septic tank. You want to lend a hand? And Melissa's <laughs> like, septic tank? Gee, that sounds like fun, but uh, no thanks. Oh, man. And then Uncle Pete giggles, and he says, suit yourself, and he walks away from her. And <laughs> Like, she, she's really missing out. I know. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why would you even ask a child that's like eight years old to help with their like shitty septic tank? What is wrong with you? So it seems pretty clear that they don't have any children. No, and they're, they're born. just like, oh, honey, what can we do to entertain our niece for the weekend? She's like, oh, well, I've got septic tank repairs to do and uh, you got bingo. Weekend yeah. settled. Well, let's have her clip some newspaper clippings and we'll decoupage up the table. Like, what? I put up that tire swing. That should keep her entertained for a few days. <laughs> yeah, like, they don't have cable, which is the worst. How is she supposed to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Disgusting. Ugh. They have nothing to do. They apparently have no board games or anything. She doesn't even have a Game Boy because fucking Gary probably stole it. The worst. I just, yeah, he was like, want to come clean a septic tank with me? It's all full of my shit. I'm just like, what <laughs> is going on? Fucking no, Uncle Pete. <laughs> Fucking no. That's disgusting. How dare you? So Melissa rolls her eyes, and then she looks up at the old Henderson house, and the upstairs window is open, I think. I'm like, I think it's supposed to be closed, but it's open. And the curtains move. And she gets off the rope, and she walks over to this um, rocking chair monstrosity? I don't even... What is that called? Like a swing? A rocking swing? I don't know. I, I guess. It's a wooden contraption that moves. Yeah, like, you can sit on it, and it swings, so I, I don't know. She pushes it, and then she walks up to the house. I don't know why she pushes that, but she does. She looks through the window of the house, and then she tries the front door, which just opens up with no problem whatsoever. We look into the living room of this house, which is all furnished, but it's all covered up, like in blankets or whatever. Melissa calls out. She's asking if anybody's there before she just waltzes right in and up the stairs. It's insane. It is. Yeah. It's insane. Everything that happens from now on in this episode is insane. And this is after the it septic is. tank thing. <laughs> She's still just calling to see if anybody's there when she hears a door close behind her. So, I don't know why that closes. She she turns around and opens it up, and it's a closet. And then Melissa moves some clothes aside, and she says, oh, cool, because she finds a ladder. So she climbs the ladder. I don't know what she's looking for here. No, because the door, or the window that was open that moved a little bit from the wind was on the second floor. It wasn't in the attic anyway. So what is she doing? It's fine. She lifts the door to the attic up, which is like a hatch door, and she heads up in there. And up there, there's this giant dollhouse that is modeled after the Henderson's house. And she looks in to the window of the dollhouse, and she sees, like, some miniature fruit in a bowl on a small table and shit like that. Like, it's, I don't know, fully furnished or whatever. I got real Beetlejuice vibes from this attic. I liked that, yeah. Somebody spent a lot of time making a, a miniature house. Or they just bought any old dollhouse and then just made a big version of it. <laughs> that would be the smart yeah, thing to do. Yeah, that's a possibility. The, the much more expensive thing. <laughs> that's a thing, yeah. Well, apparently, I mean, these houses, I don't know how much houses go for in Canada, but these houses are gorgeous they are gigantic they are mansions 
you gotta get like the sun key to go into the sunroom. It's ridiculous. And I don't know, this dollhouse alone would be so expensive. Yeah, and it had to be custom made. For sure. From some sort of Because it's a maker. it's a house of the house. Right. There's she looks in and she sees a small picture hanging on the wall of this dollhouse, and then the door inside the dollhouse room closes, which scares her. She takes a step backwards into a blanket that's hung up. It comes down. We see a door behind the blanket as well as a mouse trap. to which Melissa says, oh, probably just a mouse. This is part of the reason why I don't like her performance. She narrates everything, everything in this episode that mm-hmm. happens to her, every thought that comes in her head. And that's not her fault. You know, she had a script she had to go by, but it's. It's just yeah. all so unnatural the way she says it. Mm, I f- agree with you, yeah. It does kind of suck that she has to, like, narrate everything that happens to her. That does yeah, suck. it's it's awkward. Like that. Sometimes it's better to show, not tell. Melissa stands up. She's coughing. She's patting herself. Uh, like, her, she got dusty or whatever. She's in front of the dollhouse. When she stops and looks over at the door that was found behind the blanket... And she goes to open it up when Aunt Sally pops up from the attic entrance. She's like, Melissa? Why the hell is she there? I don't know. She's been gone for like 30 seconds at this point. And her first instinct is to run into someone else's house and go into a closet, (laughs) up some stairs, and into their attic. Yeah, it's kind of weird. Um... I, like, I would say that she just did it to, like, reminisce about her time with Susan, but she doesn't know what happened to Susan at this point, so it's really awkward that she would just bust into that house. Yeah. Even if Susan was living there, it would still be weird to rifle through their closet and up to their secret attic <laughs> and snoop around at their secret dollhouse. Yeah, you're right. It is insane, isn't it? Very much. Well, Aunt Sally continues. She's like, Melissa, you really shouldn't be up here snooping around. She's like, come on now. And Melissa tells her that she wasn't snooping, which she was. Yes, you are. Very, <laughs> You are. She's like, I found the front door unlocked, so I just you know, opened it up. And, and she gets the stern look from Sally. But she's like, I thought maybe Susan would come back. Which, why would she come back if they told her she moved away? But. Whatever. I don't know. She went to town. Nobody comes back from town. Sally stares at her for like a second or two and says, what on earth would make you think that? <laughs> she doesn't say it that mean like I just said it. But what says. the fuck was going through your stupid <laughs> dumbass head to make you think such a stupid fucking thing? You piece of shit. <laughs> exactly. Mattel- Melissa tells her aunt that she saw somebody in the window and Aunt Sally's like, you probably saw me. Now, come on. Okay, that is even more insane. Yes, I thought the same thing. What the hell would she be doing in there? Why is anybody in this house ever? It's not your house. Go away. If she was in there, wouldn't she be like, you know, Melissa walked in. She's like, hey, anybody here? Why wouldn't the aunt, if she was in the house, be like, yeah, I'm in here. <laughs> I don't know. Don't go in the she attic. She doesn't want to share, share the dollhouse with her? That's a good... Yeah, that's probably what it is. <laughs> so, Melissa, like, side-eyes that dollhouse, and then we switch scenes. And we're outside the Henderson house, and Sally's closing the front door. 
She skips down the steps and she says to Melissa, Now, I want you to give me your word that you won't ever come over here again. And Melissa asks, Why not? And Sally says, Because the Hendersons asked us to watch over the place, and it's not a responsibility I take lightly. They left a lot of precious things behind. (laughs) Melissa says, Like what? A bunch of old furniture and stuff? And Sally says, Well, that dollhouse alone must be worth a fortune. It's nothing for a child to be playing with. (laughs) It's a dollhouse. It's everything for a child to be playing with. Yeah. Well, Melissa doesn't care anyway, because she's like, me, play with a dollhouse? Give me a break. So I guess she doesn't like playing with dollhouses, even though she's like infatuated with this thing. They pass by this, the rocking chair seat thing, and it's still moving. And I don't know if that's symbolism for something. I don't think it is, but they show it all the time. I don't know. It features very prominently in this episode. They must have built it, and they were like, this thing is awesome. Let's show show it off. (laughs) It's the secret fifth character. <laughs> I mean, like, I want to sit in it, but even so, like, it's got more screen time. I would try it Susan. out. <sighs> I'd try it out, too. So Sally looks down at Melissa, and she's like, look, I don't know. I'd rather you kept away after what happened. And Melissa asks what happened. And then she just walks off. <laughs> no, she runs away from her. <laughs> she's like, after the incident, and then runs away. Yes. <laughs> She just books it away from her. She just runs from that little girl. So, of course, Melissa chases after her, asking her what happened. We look up at the Henderson house, and we see this door, right? And it's the door from the attic, but it just leads to nothing. What is that? Why is that there? I don't know. Maybe it's not such a beautifully designed house after all. It's just a door that you open up. And if you walk through it, you die because you fall like three stories to the ground. I don't get it. Melissa follows Aunt Sally as she sits down in a chair. And Sally looks at her for a few seconds and then she spills the beans. She's like, I suppose you had to find out sooner or later. Which she didn't. You just didn't have to tell her. No, not really. Who's going to tell her? There's only, at this point, three characters. She's like, Melissa, the Hendersons didn't just move away. Last winter, Susan disappeared. Melissa asks what she means by disappeared, and Sally's like, she fucking blipped. (laughs) Yeah, what else do you think it means? She blipped, okay? She's fucking gone. Sally's like, no one knows what happened to her. One minute she was there, the next she was gone. The whole town came out, we searched everywhere. Her parents were heartbroken. They wanted to stay in case she came back. But in the end, they couldn't stand to stay in that house any longer. Too many memories. They're keeping it, though, just in case she ever comes back. And then she's like, come on, sweetie, let's go in. Melissa stays back to look at that rocking chair thing before running to follow Aunt Sally. That's pretty heavy stuff, though. A kid just disappearing. Yes, I agree. It's pretty dark. It is. I don't like I don't like it when kids go missing. It's, no. It's not my favorite. <laughs> it's a hot take, but... Yeah, yeah. like, kids missing, it kind of sucks. It's not for it. No, it's... It's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not your style. <laughs> hey there, everybody. Portland here. 
you're good buddy, and you're crazy for bingo and thank you so much for taking a listen to our show. Whether you're new this week or a longtime fan, we really appreciate you taking the time to listen. If you're enjoying the show and you want to support it, you can check out our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash private island. We have three different tiers available with our own rewards. So if you'd like to be sent a sticker, get access to bonus and early release episodes, or even sent a t-shirt, check us out. I'd like to take a moment to thank our current patrons, the Golden Bostics Michael, Bryce, and Kathy, the Silver Goth Brett, and the Bronze Beth Angela. Thank you so much for your support, everyone. Brandon and I greatly appreciate it. Brandon and I at the Up All Night Podcast bring you more Are You Afraid of the Dark than anyone else. On top of the bonus book readings, you have to check out our Instagram and Twitter. You can find them at Private Island Presents on Instagram and at PRVT Island on Twitter. Every week we do a bunch of Are You Afraid of the Dark related posts, including quick bios for characters for the week, handcrafted gifts, Are You Afraid of the Dark meme Fridays, and Brandon has been working on his video editing. Last week he created a hilarious tale of the phone police and taken crossover. And it's just really funny. So please be sure to take a look. On top of that, I'm working on editing for an all-new original bonus episode that should be done pretty soon, so be on the lookout for it. We do have a Facebook group that I would love for you to join. I try and post all of our GIFs and videos and memes and stuff there first, and we'd love for you to join in on the conversation. You can find us by searching Up All Night and Are You Afraid of the Dark podcast, or checking the link in our Linktree link. Speaking of the Linktree link, it's a link in our episode description that you can click on and it'll take you to all of our resources. It's got a link to our Instagram, Twitter, YouTube page, our merch store, an invite to the podcast Junkie Discord server, as well as our Patreon. If you'd prefer, we're always happy to get emails. You can email us, privateislandpresents at gmail.com. If you got questions, comments, or anything else, send them to us. Every season we do an Ask Us Anything section, so if you have any questions for us, please get them in. If you want to know how to make a podcast yourself, I would be more than happy to help. I'd like to take a moment to thank the Benevolent Badger for his work on the music for our show, aside from this theme, Freeze Easy Peak from Banjo-Kazooie, composed by Grant Kirkhope. I hope you enjoy the more seasonal selected music tracks for this month. I'd also like to thank Brandon for his work on the artwork for our show. Now I'd like to play for you a promo for one of the first audio drama podcasts that I listened to. It's got wonderful world building and exciting adventures from David S. Deer. It's the Ninth World Journal podcast. Please take a listen. This is a Ninth World Journal. A careless experiment with a teleportation device has left me stranded in random places throughout the Ninth World. While trying to survive in these strange lands, I must find a way to reverse my condition. A Ninth World Journal is a science fantasy audio drama podcast. Subscribe to listen or visit ninthworldjournal.com. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Brandon and I truly appreciate you. I'll talk to you in a week. Bye. When we move inside, it's nighttime, and Melissa is reading a book. She's laying on the couch, and then she flicks off her flashlight, and we hear Uncle Pete saying, we shouldn't have lied to her about the Henderson girl in the first place. <laughs> Keep in mind, they're about two inches away from her at this point. Yeah, she's like literally right around the corner. Sally whisper yells, I didn't want to ruin her weekend. 
And Pete asks her if she told Melissa about what Marge Henderson said about the house. And Sally's like, shut the fuck up, she'll hear you. (laughs) She's right there. She's like, of course not. Anyway, Marge was beside herself with grief. She didn't know what she was saying. And Pete's like, maybe not, but she said it pretty clearly. It was the house that got her. (laughs) (laughs) Sally takes some steps towards Melissa, who pretends to be sleeping on the couch. And this whole time, they're like basically... (laughs) In the same room. So, let me understand. Pete here is arguing that they should have been more forthright with Melissa and telling her that the house got her? I think so, because I think he was concerned because Melissa went into the house on her own already, and he doesn't want the house to get her, too. So, Pete heard what the mother said about the house. Yeah. And he instantly took that to be true yeah that's the case the house got her he was like all right the house stole her so fucking what (laughs) that's just that just doesn't make any sense to me no it doesn't does it you heard what she said how would she like there's no i don't know man dude i don't know i don't if you know know the house got her why would you move away from that house? I get there's though the memories are so hard or whatever. And, and Marge is probably in like an institution now or something. But like if you have like a hint or whatever that she's still in the house, just do what Melissa does. I don't know. Yeah, what Melissa does isn't that hard. She takes a sheet down, walks through a door and like she's there. She's right there. <laughs> yeah. It's spoilers. I mean, it's weird. Well, Nah, it's fine. But it's it's weird. I don't understand how it works, but we'll discuss it. The scene changes, and it's full nighttime now, and we hear somebody whispering, Melissa, help me. <laughs> Which wakes Melissa up. It's Billy Baxter. She's got that phone right next to her. Remember, she called her mom on it. Yes. Shut up, Billy. <laughs> She's rubbing her eyes. She looks out the window to see the lights turned out or turned on in the attic. And the door up there closes, like the door to the nothing. So Melissa grabs a set of keys on a hook, which is just right next to her for some reason. And she makes her way outside. She passes the tire swing. She looks at her keys. And then we zip into the attic where Melissa's climbing up into it. She looks at the dollhouse. And the lights are on in the attic part of it. And she's like, cool. And then a light shows on the dollhouse in the shape of a keyhole. And she's like touching it and then she looks over at the door that leads outside into nothingness and the keyhole and that has a bright light coming out of it so melissa opens the door to just this blinding light and she looks inside she hears someone calling for her and then around the corner walks a girl who's calling for melissa and it's fucking susan whoa Uh uh-huh she takes these tiny steps around and melissa kicks her leg over the doorway to get susan when Uncle Pete, Uncle Pete, just screams, "No!" <laughs> he fucking up to dumps her hard. <laughs> yeah, like, um, if she was about to climb out the window and fall to her death or whatever, you screaming "No!" and grabbing her is probably the worst thing you can tackles do. her through the window, and they both die. <laughs> I loved it. (laughs) 
Yeah, she just got up to dupped. <laughs> Pete asks Melissa if she's all right. And Melissa's like, yeah, but it's Susan. She's still in the house. She's like, let go of me. I saw her. And Pete's like, Melissa, listen to me. And they walk over to that door she was about to go through. And he's like, look. They look outside and they see that the door leads to absolutely nothing except for death. It's a straight drop to the ground, and I, like I said, I don't have any idea why this door exists. Who would build that? Who would build that door? Why is that there? I don't know. Even the characters in the show are like, I don't know why that exists. Yeah, even they don't know why it's there. (laughs) (laughs) Like, is that a selling point to the house? The Hendersons were like, I love this house. It's got a door (laughs) to death. (laughs) My daughter is going to love the part where there's that door you can open up and fall and die from. Let's build an extension from the attic. We'll start with the door and stop there. <laughs> yeah. Let's. She was like, hey, I don't know what the, the last name of these people, of the aunt and uncle are, but the Hendersons are like, do you guys want to build a bridge to the to like connect our houses? I'll make the door. You guys pay for the bridge. And the other people were like, uh, no. But they built the door anyway. <laughs> Oh, but we already built the door. They could probably make a pretty cool water slide into a pool. Oh, that'd be awesome. I mean, it'd still be dangerous, but it'd be awesome. In the next scene, we see Pete, and he's got a bunch of boards hefted up on his shoulders. He's got a heavy day of septic tank repair ahead of him. He's got a, He's going to board up a septic tank. <laughs> like, no, no shit shit's getting through here. <laughs> He walks away towards the Henderson house and Sally walks inside to talk with Melissa, who's eating like, I don't know, breakfast or something. Um, She's pushing her fork around a piece of bread for some reason. What is up with this? She's like digging at it like it's fucking bone marrow or something. Sally tells her like, Lord knows why that door was ever up there in the first place. Right. I should have boarded it up a long time ago. It's there for the bridge. <laughs> bridge between houses. You guys had a pact. You broke it. That is why they moved. She's just being, like, facetious or whatever. She's like, I don't know why they put that door there. <laughs> like, we know, Sally. You're not getting out of this contract. <laughs> Melissa tells her aunt that she's she's sure that she saw her. At the end of a long quarter, there, there was this weird light. But Sally stops her. She's like, honey, I know finding out about Susan was a shock. And Melissa interrupts her saying, I wasn't dreaming or sleepwalking. It was as real as... And then she stops because she can hear her uncle hammering and boarding up the door. Melissa's like, if Uncle Pete boards up that door, Susan will never be able to get out. And Aunt Sally shouts, Melissa, listen to what you're saying. What on earth would she be doing in the attic after all this time? Melissa's like, I don't know. Aunt Sally ruffles her hair and gets up as Melissa continues to just fuck around with her food. Melissa's the weirdest girl (laughs) when it comes to eating. She's the weirdest girl in general. She's weird, yeah. The scene switches. We're looking first person from Melissa's eyes that Sally's doing some laundry outside and Pete's walking up to her. Presumably, he's finished boarding up the door. And Melissa goes into a drawer. She finds a bundle of twine and a hammer. And she takes them and walks past her aunt and uncle because now they're both doing the laundry <laughs> it's a two-person job to hang laundry outside um and she walks over to the henderson's house 
at the front door. Melissa takes the hammer, and she just doesn't even try the door. She just smashes the panel of glass oh my out. God. What an escalation. She reaches her hand through, unlocks the door, and walks in. She goes from just simple trespassing to breaking and entering. But the part is is that her aunt and uncle are, like, right outside. They didn't hear her smash a pane of glass. It made no sense. Like, maybe they did hear her. They're like, huh, that sounded like somebody was breaking and entering into the Henderson's house. But we got all this laundry to put up. It seems like if Melissa's out of their eyesight for a few seconds anyway, that they're running over to that house and running up to the attic anyway. That's true. That's true. Uncle Pete heard her get up in the middle of the night, even though she was like as silent as a ninja. Then here she is smashing panes of glass. <laughs> and he's just like, do 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 laundry. What a wildly inconsistent man he is. So she busts into this house and now she's in the attic. And she's using the hammer to take out the boards her uncle put up. So he must have done a shitty job if this nine-year-old little girl could dismantle the boards. Yeah. Doesn't take after Al Borland at all. No. She just yanks those boards down and she's just like, whew, that took me seconds. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa opens up the death door and it's the corridor from before. So she calls out for Susan, asking if she's in there. And this is where I said Melissa was kind of intelligent. Because she takes that twine she had, and she ties it around the door handle to the death door. And then she tests the ground to make sure she has she isn't actually, um, you know, falling to her death. Pretty smart. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's something. I don't really know what was going through her mind. Like, was she more concerned... With falling or with getting lost in this hallway? She could be concerned about both. I think she was probably more concerned about falling, though, because she she takes a few seconds. Like, she makes sure that the ground is actually ground, not, I don't know, a hallucination or something. And I do like that she tied the twine around the door handle to the outside of the door so that she can find her way back. Okay, well, the twine's not going to help you if... You the fall. ground's not real. That's You're just what gonna I thought. Fall and die. Yeah, she's she's gonna use the twine to. She's like, this will support my weight, and she's just gonna bungee with it, <laughs> repel herself <laughs> down the house, in the off chance that she fell to her death. So Melissa walks down the corridor. She's unwinding the twine as she goes, and she's calling for Susan. She enters into a door, and she's interrupted by these giant steps. And shaking. So it sounds like there's a giant in the room, like, oh, boom, boom, you know. Yeah, and, and it's the house like an is earthquake. Shaking. Exactly, yeah. She looks into a room and she sees some fake fruit in a bowl and stuff. And we look out a window and we see a gigantic version of Aunt Sally. She's stomping through the attic. <laughs> yes, yeah, she's fucking jumping she's through there. Fee, five, Both four, feet. <laughs> Clomping through there with her clogs. <laughs> yeah. Melissa's like, my God, the dollhouse. I'm in the dollhouse. And she says it way less shocked than that. Okay, you're right. She's like, my God, the dollhouse. I'm in the dollhouse. Is that better? No. All right, whatever. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> we see giant Aunt Sally. She's in front of the dollhouse window, and she's just messing with her wedding ring for some reason. Um... Whatever. Melissa's yelling out for her uh, that she's in the dollhouse. And then a voice tells Melissa it's no use, that she can't hear you. 
and we look over and Susan's just sitting in a chair and she's got the makeup on of a doll. Powdered face, red cheeks. Yeah. She's got like a poofy, overflowing onesie, nightgown looking doll clothing on. And Susan says that she knew she'd come. And Melissa's like, what the fuck is going on? You look like a doll. And Susan looks down all sad. And Melissa says, you turned into a doll? And Susan looks up at her and she continues saying, the dollhouse did this to you? And Susan nods. And Melissa's like, okay, you stay here. I'll be right back. And Susan tells her, it's the attic. Melissa's like, yes, I'm going to take you back to the attic. (laughs) And Susan shakes her head saying, the attic again. And Melissa's like, use your words, doll. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Melissa's like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, yeah, it's going to be fine. So Melissa walks out the door into the corridor. She's winding up the twine as she makes her way to the door. Uh, But she's like, oh, my God, the door was right here. And then she starts touching the wall where the door used to be. And we look at her hands, and they're starting to get painted white like a doll's hands. And Melissa sees that shit, and she's like, my hands! She narrates every single thing that that's happening. I know, I know. But then she's like, fuck this, there's gotta be another way out of here. She's like, two doors over here, and then the door in the attic is behind me. And she's she's like, closet, it should be right here with a ladder leading up to the Melissa, attic. you are alone. That's what she meant, Brandon! You are alone? You can just think your thoughts. No, thinking is too hard. You have to talk it out. Brandon, she's like, not the real attic, but the dollhouse attic. She starts trying to push that bookshelf away, right? Which makes no sense because it wouldn't go anywhere because it's at the end of a hallway. It's got two walls right there. If you pushed it, you wouldn't be able to get to the attic. So she's pushing it. She's like, "Ah." and there's this adorable little raccoon statue on it. And, but she just can't push it with her nine-year-old strength. So she runs back over to Susan, and she's like, The Bureau, right? We gotta move it, get to the attic. And Susan nods. And Melissa tells her that it's too big, and she's gotta help her. And Susan tells her she can't. And Melissa's like, you have to. If we don't move that Bureau, we'll never get out of here. No nine-year-old uses the word Bureau. No. I don't even use the word Bureau. And I'm like three times as old as that. <laughs> Three times as strong. I'm I'm basically three times the Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Triple Melissa. <laughs> I have the strength of three Melissas. <laughs> <laughs> In response to all this shit, Susan doesn't say anything. She just grabs her own hand and pops it off. <laughs> I love that. It's... Like, it gets the point across, sure. Yeah, she's but like, I can't do shit. I'm <laughs> I'm a doll. <laughs> but why wouldn't she, like, wouldn't that hurt? I don't get it. I, I don't understand. She's just I like... Dolls can't feel pain. They're dolls. True, I guess. It's Essentially, Susan is, like, made of porcelain now. So Melissa backs up, and she's like, oh, I'll try again. <laughs> I like that reaction. She just pulls her hand off, and she's like, yikes, okay. <laughs> You're useless. <laughs> like, okay, it's up to me. <laughs> Melissa goes and grabs the bureau again, because that's what she called it, and she, instead of pushing it, just knocks that shit over, and it's in slow motion <laughs> for some reason. Action shot. 
She's just like, and it's just like, (laughs) she opens the door and yes, there's the ladder. We see Melissa open up the hatch into the attic of the dollhouse. She's pushing away a giant Christmas ornament. We look inside and there's like a giant pair of scissors, um, a humongous polar bear and kangaroo, a pencil. What the hell was up there? I don't know who put all that shit up there. In the dollhouse, is that where they just stuffed the rest of the doll pieces that they couldn't fit into any of the other rooms? I guess so. (laughs) That bear would have been gigantic, though. Like, the prop itself, I mean. Because considering that Melissa is actually, uh, spoilers, human size when they shot this, (laughs) that polar bear was massive. (laughs) That thing would have been like $300 to buy. It's crazy. But yeah, you just put your scissors and your pencils and shit in there, your uh, giant Christmas ornament. Like, no big deal. That's what addicts are for. Exactly. So Melissa sees the door, the death door. Melissa's like, there it is, in exactly the same place. And she calls down saying, okay, here we go. The scene switches, and Melissa's helping Susan move. She's like, okay, nice and easy. And a nice touch to this is that Susan, um, like, tinkles as she steps, like... Um, the sound of porcelain hitting porcelain. Yeah. I like that. Like, she's a tea set or something. It's cool. Anyway, Susan's hand just drops on the ground. <laughs> For her some hands reason. are just... They're not even on her body. No! <laughs> Melissa's just like, oops. And then she stuffs it into one of Susan's pockets. And Susan is just totally unfazed by this shit. And I I kind of like this because Melissa walks her into a corner... <laughs> So she doesn't like break or fall or whatever. And the actress that played Susan is just like stands there like she's almost like dead. And I liked she did a good job of um, standing there motionless. <laughs> like, yes. Good job. They asked a lot of her and she delivered. She delivered it all. Yeah. Just don't move. <laughs> don't do anything. Don't say all your thoughts out loud. No. Shut up. Just stand still. You got this, girl. (laughs) Just be the opposite of Melissa. And action. (laughs) Melissa opens up the door, and she's like, aw, shit. Because it's the death door this time. It leads straight out into the air, into the backyard. Mm -hmm. Melissa's like, what? This can't be it. The door leads to the attic, not the backyard. She says, that's impossible. And I thought, well, excuse me, Miss Expert in Supernatural Demon House Logic. Yeah, she's the one that's shrunken into a dollhouse, turning into a doll. But this is impossible. Yeah. So she sees that this leads to death. And she goes out and she grabs Susan anyway. And she helps her up to this death door. (laughs) She's like, okay, let's get out of here. Because she just like... Someone's dying today. She, like, basically assisted suicides, this girl. <laughs> and, she's, well, I mean, I guess I can't blame her because she's, this is the only way out. So she climbs out of the door, too. They're both sitting at the edge of this door. And she kind of kicks her foot down. And the world, like, bubbles around it. She says, okay, here goes nothing. And they dive out of the door. And it bubbles around them like they just jumped into a painting in Super Mario 64. Yeah, that's exactly right. Does the dollhouse not have a front door? They never leave the second floor of the dollhouse. No, but could they? I mean, presumably Susan's been in there for 
like seasons now because it looks like it's fall. She disappeared in like what spring or something or winter. I would assume she's tried everything except for simply not. You would think over she would girl. know that house pretty well considering it's her house. <laughs> yeah, no, Melissa apparently just knows it better. What got Susan to go into that death door in the first place? She was like, oh, shit, this is bright hallway. I want to go in there. What? Susan, what are you talking about? Like, why did she go in there in the first place? I don't know. It's bright and colorful and there's a raccoon. Okay, that raccoon was adorable. But this death door, I mean, why did it appear as the backyard? Like, was that trying to be like a an illusion so that nobody would escape because... They're smart enough not to dive into death. <laughs> I don't know. Why does that death door anything? That's the part that didn't really make sense to me. We zip over to Aunt Sally and Pete, who are probably thinking that they're fucked since they have to tell Melissa's parents that she disappeared on their watch. And Sally's like, it's my fault. And Pete assures her that it isn't, saying, don't go overreacting. I'm sure she'll turn up safe and sound. But Sally's already declared it's the same as Susan. The exact same, as she says. And Peter's like, I mean, maybe it was someone else who broke into the house. For all we know, Melissa's Melissa's out going for a walk. And then we zoom in on Sally's face, and she's like, oh, Peter, look. And they both run out of the house. And outside, Melissa comes running up, and she's yelling for Aunt Sally and Uncle Pete. And they run up to her, they give her a hug, and they're like, I was so worried you disappeared, just like Susan. And Melissa's like, I did. I like the way she says that. She's like, I'm so worried you disappeared, just like Susan, your friend who's gone. <laughs> Never coming back. Well, she did. And Pete asks what she means, and Melissa's like, I disappeared just like Susan, and I found her. And Sally asks what she's talking about, and Melissa tells her to go look. And she points over to the Henderson house. When we see Susan walk out, she's got her big poofy doll clothes on. But aside from that, she's back to a normal little girl. She smiles and walks a little bit towards them. And then, like, Melissa runs towards her. And then they smile. And that's the end of the episode. I like the concept. Like I said at the top of the episode, concept's good. Melissa's acting not so good. Yeah. But overall, overall, pretty good. Very, very crazy behavior from all the characters all the characters septic tank pete b and e melissa fucking yeah everything about sally (laughs) yeah and even susan like girl what the hell (laughs) why did you get lost like that in the first place come on now i mean she got lost give her a break nah sometimes you go through a death door and become a doll it happens whatever get your shit together susan god damn the part that i don't really get to is that okay so we see susan when when melissa opens up the door the first time and susan's walking through the hallway or whatever she's like she's walking a little bit slow because she's you know mostly dull or whatever but she's been in there for months at this point yeah melissa started turning dull like 30 seconds after she got in. yeah exactly and I get, like, I like that the thing has progressed so much that she's up in the attic and she can't really move because she's, like, 99% doll at that time or whatever. But it's like, how does that work? She's been in there for months and she's not already 100% doll? I didn't really get that part. Maybe the dullness slows down a bit. 
Yeah, I guess so. It like de like it makes sure that you can't move that bureau before. <laughs> <laughs> That's top like, priority. As long as you can't move that bureau, just take your time. Become a doll slowly. After your strength is unable to move a bureau, then it's like, all right, we'll slow down and just like kill you a little bit. Who made that dollhouse? I don't know. Did the parents make that dollhouse? Did they know that it was magic? How did the mom know what was going on? And, oh, she's still in the house. Like, did Melissa, or I mean, did Susan, you know, whisper for help to her parents, too? Yeah. What did the parents know about that dollhouse? A lot of questions, but it's kind of okay. I don't mind not knowing. Yeah, we don't need all the answers. Yeah, that's all right. Back at the campfire, Betty Ann says that very night, Melissa's uncle burned the dollhouse in a big bonfire in the backyard. Shit. <laughs> Did he have permission to do that? <laughs> no, definitely not. But I assume if you find somebody's daughter who's been missing, like, they might ignore you destroying their property a little bit. Yeah, I could see that. Unless they were, like, assholes, you know? And they're like, They'll probably be like, oh, that's okay, you burned the dollhouse. Hey, who the fuck broke our window? <laughs> I asked you to take care of this place, Sally. What the fuck? That's it. We're going back to town. Susan, get your pack your shit. We're out of here. Betty Ann continues saying, as it went up in flames, Melissa wondered where the door in the Henderson's attic would lead now that there was no dollhouse left. The end. Well, obviously, Melissa, that would lead to death. <laughs> yeah, it's just an open <laughs> cliff. I would assume that the dollhouse was the magical benefactor of this episode, so... It would probably just turn into a normal door that shouldn't be there in the first place. Yeah, the end. Another happy ending from Betty Ann. Yeah, we haven't had a bad ending in a while. And I meant to say this during the phone police. I was really hoping that was going to have a bad ending. (laughs) That would be preferred. Yeah, like, I I was just thinking while I was watching, I was like, man, I kind of hope that the phone police do catch that kid and we get a bad ending because we haven't had a bad ending since. Well, when was the last Gary story? The last Gary story was Magician's Assistant, which was a good ending. Okay. Yeah, that wasn't even a bad ending. No one got stuck in the void except the bad guy. Yeah, and that's what we want, I guess. No, that's not what we want. The last bad ending, I guess, was The Tale of the Final Wish, but that one sucked so... Like, the ending part of it sucked so bad that I just don't want that to even be anyway. So, we need a bad ending again, guys. So, we look at Tucker, and he's like... Yeah, where would that lead to? And Betty Ann awesomely, she says, Oh, you awake? She does it way better than that, because she's better than I am. And Sam smiles, and Tucker's like, Yeah, yeah, not bad for a doll story. And Gary gets up with his bucket of water, declaring the meeting over. Kiki walks up to the throne, and she grabs a doll that is dressed exactly like Tucker. And she's like, Yo, bet, you forgot your doll. And... It looks just like, and Tucker walks by, and she's like, you. And Tucker grabs it, and he's like, where'd she get that? And then Betty Ann walks out from the shadows, which is really awesome. And she's like, that's a whole nother story. Okay, but answer the question. Where the hell did you get that? It's a good question. They all get freaked out at the end of all the stories, but that's actually really fucking freaky. <laughs> It has the that, same clothes that he has on. It has the same clothes. Moment. How did she pull that off? 
I don't know, man. Even if Gary called her up and was like, yo, bet he's wearing a orange hat and fucking blue shirt. She would have to like have time and be like, all right, where's my orange hat for dolls? Uh, here it is. Like, no. <laughs> She's better she in, man. She's the best. How did she do that? I want to know. I need to know. I don't need all the answers. Just that one. No. The kids walk by Tucker and finally Tucker runs away. And that's the end of the episode. Overall, I had a good time with this one. I like the concept. I like the execution for the most part. Like I said, Melissa, yeah, she sucked a little bit, but I can forgive it because I liked the episode. It wasn't perfect, but it was fun. Yeah, exactly. We've had a really good episode this season so far. Um, even the phone police was kind of fun. Uh, sure. <laughs> I think I like phone police less in hindsight than when we talked about it, and I didn't like it very much then. I'm in, I'm kind of concerned that the phone police episode is going to be boring while I edit it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be like, oh, this is the stinker of the season. Damn it. <laughs> ah, well. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> There's always got to be at least one. Come on. It's like, oh, this is the 13th floor of the season. Which it kind of is because they were both the fourth episode. Whoa. I know. Super deep. Which is also interesting because I think my editing job on The Tale of the Twisted Claw is also, like, one of my weakest from the first season. And that's episode four. So, what do you think the moral of the story is, Brandon? Don't break and enter into houses? I mean, yeah, that's pretty much just common sense. At least in this case, it turned out to be a good thing because Melissa did save Susan. But in general, if, like, a neighbor moves away and you're missing them... Don't break into their house. Don't do that. Don't break into anyone's houses. Yeah. Unless it's your own house. Like, if you locked yourself out, you could break into your own house. If you have to. But, like, try the door first. Melissa didn't even try. We have cell phones nowadays. Call somebody that has a key to your house and be like, yo, get over here and let me in my house. <laughs> but the tale of the doll maker. What was that meant to be? What is the doll maker? The house? Is the house a doll maker? Yeah, I think that the doll maker is the house. Which okay. is kind of cool if you think about it like that. But when I initially heard it, and for most of the episode, I was just like, there is no person making dolls here. You know? Yeah, that is like what I predicted last episode, I believe. So I expected a doll maker. Yeah, there's no but doll maker. No, there's nobody. So that episode title, it's cool if you think about it like a house is a doll maker, but if you think about it like a rational, normal person, that episode name sucked. Let's think of some better ones. All right. The Tale of the Death Door. <laughs> the Tale of the Septic Surprise. <laughs> Damn, I was going to do one with that. Uh, the Tale of Aunt Sally's Bingo Night. <laughs> Damn, I was going to do something with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the tale of suddenly Susan. <laughs> <laughs> the tale of breaking and entering. Tale of the tackling uncle. Oh fuck! He he up to dupter. <laughs> <laughs> no! no! <laughs> she was probably like, oh fuck! And she falls. <laughs> <sighs> um, the tale of the hidden attic. Sure. Oh, that's a pretty good one. All yeah. right. I think we covered it. That's good. So next week, Brandon, 
we have. Are you ready for this? Yeah. All right. Next week's episode is the tale of the bookish babysitter. Hmm. Yeah. Who do you think's gonna tell that one? I think Frank. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> I like the alliteration. Oh, me too. Yeah. But it's not really a title so much. It's like a description. Well, what do you what do you think the episode's gonna be about? Describe it for me. Okay. I think the episode is going to be about a young girl who is a babysitter. Yeah. But she loves books. Mm. And she loves books so much that one day while watching a baby, she gets so lost in the book that she doesn't notice that the baby has gone missing. Damn, another missing kid episode. Okay. A lot of missing kids. Yeah, it's a theme, you know? If you think about it, I mean, the tale of the pinball wizard, Ross goes missing. The tale of the dark music, Coda goes missing. I mean, they die or whatever, but nobody knows that except for the evil characters, so. If you think about it from the perspective of the character's parents, it's heartbreaking. It really is. Except most of the parents in this show don't care about their kids. No, especially Jake's from Tale of Jake and the Leprechaun. Uh, especially Jill's parents, oh, who yeah. actively hate her. <laughs> <laughs> yes, true, true, true. Very true. <sighs> well, Brandon, I'm getting really sleepy. I gotta work. Like, Me too. Forever. I probably won't have a day off for a while, so I'm gonna go to sleep. I will all right. been up all night. I'm done. Done! I'll talk to you in, in a week for the tale of the bookish babysitter. All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye.